Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. This week, we got our first chance to hear from Pete Carroll since players started returning to the VMAC. In fact, this was the first time we saw Pete outdoors in front of a camera in his traditional spot rather than interviewing from home. Reporters called in their questions, and we're going to be hitting those highlights on today's show. But first, so far the biggest news this week, Mike Silver is reporting that the Seahawks appear to have moved on from Jadivian Clowney, and they're now looking at a pair of former USC pass rushers, Everson Griffin and Clay Matthews. Griffin played with the Vikings last season, Clay Matthews with the Rams. Go ahead and mark me down for Everson Griffin if it's up to me of the choice between the two. The Seahawks also added a player this week. DJ Reed was claimed off waivers from the San Francisco 49ers. Reed is coming off surgery from a torn pectoral. And the 49ers could have kept him sidelined on their roster for the entire season if he would have cleared waivers. So we'll see if the Seahawks decide to carry him on the 53-man roster just so they can put him on injured reserve with the potential's return a little bit later this year. In his two seasons with the 49ers, Reed played 485 defensive snaps, 351 special team snaps. The majority of his defensive snaps were at slot corner. He also played some free safety in 2018, a little outside corner too. In 2018, he also had 11 kickoff returns, so he has some special teams experience as well. In opt-out news, up until this week, Chance Warmack was the only player in the NFC West to opt out, but now... He has been joined by a couple other players, one on the 49ers, wide receiver Travis Benjamin opted out, and Arizona Cardinals projected starting right tackle Marcus Gilbert. And the deadline to opt out is today, Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, so be sure and hop on over to fieldgoals.com at the deadline to check out and see if there's any others that post today. We will have it there up on the website. And with all that said, let's get to the press conference with Pete Carroll in his opening remarks. The biggest takeaway was the fact that players are out on the field. We're in a ramp-up period, just getting started. We won't be practicing like we like to practice for days ahead here, but at this time, at least we're on the field and we're getting going and, and we're starting to make the process come to life. Um, we're off to a really good start uh, with, with our guys. Uh, it, one of the big emphasis to get rolling here was was coming in under a quarantine uh, mentality, and uh, we're very fortunate that we we tested our way through it and we had very good results and and uh, our guys have uh, prepared themselves really well in that regard and now as we start strength and conditioning today and get the guys actually running and doing things we'll start to begin the evaluation process of where everybody is and how they feel and how they're the condition that they're in and where things start to fit together so uh, just getting started and uh, but it feels good to get active and get out here and, and get out in the sunshine. We've been spending a lot of time on defense over the past few shows with the news of Jamal Adams, and I will get there because Pete had a lot to say about Adams. But now I want to start with the offense and my favorite player to hype up for the 2020 season, DK Metcalf. This is a great story now. You know, it's been a great story since from the start. You know, and it really, I don't want to give it the start as when, when we both took our shirts off and, you know, at the combine, I don't think that's the start of it. I think it's much more so when, once he got here. Um, what a what a great kid, man! I'm I'm so fired up for him. He had so much to prove in his first year that uh, and because he's he's a great competitor and he had a chip on his shoulder that was huge and and he wanted to prove that he belonged and that that uh, he could be a star, and he did everything he could in his first year. Smart, bright, tough, consistent, applied himself. I mean, made the plays. 
you know, and, and, had, and overcame the, the disappointments of the plays that he couldn't make at times that uh, are well within his range. He's going to be better this year. He had an incredible offseason. Uh, he spent, oh, I don't know, at least a month with Russell um, uh, working out, and uh, they found a way to do it, and uh, they had a phenomenal summer in that regard. Um, what, what gives him a chance to be a really exciting player is his, his mentality. He knows exactly who he is. He knows where he's come from. He knows what it's all about. He's not going to let anybody get in, 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 in the way of him being all he can be. And that's, shoot, that's all we could ever ask for. What that is, I don't know. I don't know, you know. But, but now we know we can move him around. We can, we can ask him to do a lot of different stuff. You know, we were hesitant because he was a young player and all. But, uh, we weren't sure if he was able to handle stuff. But we know now he's really a bright football player. And he's got flexibility. And he blocks. And he, he can rip down the field. Uh, so we hope to just, you know, use him more than ever and uh, fit him together in this team. And it's, it's what he wants to do. But he's here to do something special now. There's nothing about anything that he's done that doesn't make a, a, a screaming that he wants to do something really special. No, he's, he's a beautiful part of this team. I can't wait to see him go. Another player on offense that we see potential greatness in is tight end Will Disley. And unfortunately, he's had some just catastrophic injuries he's had to deal with in each of the last two seasons. But Coach Carroll says he's been doing everything he needs to do this offseason to get on track for 2020. Will had an incredible uh, offseason. He worked out in L.A., was down there. Um, the, the group that he worked out with told me that he's had nine, nine months with them. He spent nine months working out on, on a, rig, uh, a, a you know, real rigid schedule. He didn't miss one minute of one day in nine straight months. They said they've never seen anybody do that before. And uh, the benefits of it is that, that he comes in and passes physical. So uh, we're, we're thrilled about, about Will's process. But then again, because of the way he's been, I'm not surprised that somebody would say that he's, he's been the hardest worker and the most diligent, uh, grittiest guy that they've ever seen come through the program. So um, that means that um, uh, we'll still take care of Will as we start camp. But yet he, he did pass his physical. Uh, we'll look after him um, and make sure that we don't come along too fast. Will's a really uh, uh, you know, great product of learning and, and the system and all that. He knows what he's doing, and he'll, he'll be a factor as soon as we cut him loose. But in the meantime, we want to make sure and take care of him. He did everything. Obviously, I can't tell you anymore. He did everything you could, a guy could possibly do, and, and uh, so we're thrilled about his process. It is some great news that he passed his physical. He doesn't have to go on the physically unable to perform list. And now we'll see how easy they take it with him throughout this preseason. And if ultimately we'll see him out there come week one against Atlanta. And so with no preseason games this year, Coach Carroll addresses what that means for the team. We have to catch up physically, you know, with the things that, that you could get accomplished in the four games. You know, not all the, the players, some of the young players played a lot in all four of those games, but the starters did not. And so we would ramp up their play and try to get them by you know, where they would, could play three quarters of a game before they would take the fourth game and basically take that game and, and let the young guys play. Um, we have to make that time up and that, that, uh, uh, the physical part of the game come to life here on the practice field. Uh, we will have a couple events in the stadium. We're going to have a couple game-like events um, on the 22nd and the 26th of, of the month um, to, to really play it all out and, and get, get us in the mode. We, we'll be playing with... Uh, more opportunities for physical stuff to be done here rather than in the games. And uh, we'll have to take, play, uh, take care of all that. So, um, but that's, that's in the, it's all designed in the process that we go through. 
August 22nd and 26th. It sounds like those are going to be available to be streamed via the website, so mark your calendars there. Who knows what it's going to look like? I know the team does stream some of the practices in August as well, so you know the amount of actual on-field coverage that we get usually comes up short of what we like to see, so we will just watch and wait and see what we get. Rashad Penny, another one of those guys we're waiting to see, and it does sound like we are going to be waiting a while before we see him back on the field. Coach Carroll gives us a brief update on his status going into training camp. He's coming in on Thursday. We didn't think we needed to rush him in because he's still um, you know, rehabbing and coming back. Uh, he'll come in Thursday for Friday, and he'll start his process of, of reconnecting with us on Friday. Just We just thought it would be better. He missed a week in transition uh, that we didn't want to because he would have had to sit around the days right here, right now. We'd like to go ahead and, and uh, uh, hopefully we made a good decision there. Um, we're anxious to get him back. He's working out really hard. The reports are really strong that he's doing well. Uh, but we have not had him in our building for a while now, so this will be our first chance. And the reports are that Rashad Penny will start the season on the PUP list. So coming up next, we'll move over to the defensive side of the ball, get Coach Carroll's reaction to the Jamal Adams trade, and hear from Pete on the Seahawks' first-round pick and his best path to a starting position. All that, up next. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, this was the first opportunity we got to hear from Coach Pete Carroll after the Jamal Adams trade. Pete talks about the kind of player the Seahawks are getting with Jamal Adams. One of the things, that the style of his play uh, is that he's really aggressive. Um, he's an attack-oriented guy. He's a guy that, the kind of guys that I've seen in, in years past that when they see things, they don't hesitate. They go. And, and they're very, very decisive and very physical and creative as well. It takes creativity to, to see the opportunities and then to seize those opportunities. And he's got all of that uh, great burst, physical uh, nature, and, and then also the athleticism to make the plays happen. He's really good in coverage one-on-ones. He's good in zone stuff. Um, so it just all fits, you know. And so we're going to, you know, we, we had a very dynamic duo in, in years past, you know, when, when uh, Cam and Earl were here. Those guys were entirely different players. I mean, they, were, they couldn't have been further. I mean, one guy was huge, and the other guy's a smaller guy. Um, just a huge difference in, their, in the talent that they brought. But yet we incorporated their stuff to hopefully, we tried to, it was a, the illustration of our approach to, to highlight the, the, the uniqueness of the players. And so uh, that's what's going to happen here with, with Jamal. And, and, uh, uh, and, and really, uh, Quandre Diggs is a really dynamic player, too. He, he showed that last year with, with us. And, and as we already pointed out, Marquise has a, has a whole structure to, to his game that, that we love to fit in. So this is really all we could hope for. And, uh, and you know, you'll see it come to life. But it really it's about you know, putting them in really good positions and then cutting them loose to do the things they're good at. One thing that jumps out most to head coach Pete Carroll is Adam's passion. One of the things you know you could look at, you could see him be all fiery and, and, and interpret that like um, like he's being selfish or like he's being you know overly outgoing or whatever. Come on, you know this guy loves what he does and he cares so much that the passion just explodes out of him at times, which is exactly what you've seen in players that we've had in our program for years. So to have a chance to add that to our team, uh, forget all the playmaking stuff. It's that. 
element of mentality that I'd love to add so that Bobby gets to play with a guy like that and that Jay Reed gets to play with a guy like that and Bruce and they'll all feed off of each other because we all love to be that way. That's the way we love about this game is cutting it loose and, and letting it go and, and getting to that primal mentality that, that it, it, this game allows. And, and uh, so, I, again, I don't know how it's going to be in the locker room, but I do know what I know and what I know is I couldn't be more excited about. And, and uh, um, saying all that, it's still about being a great teammate. It's still about being a great teammate. That means that you're here to serve others. And so um, he, he's heard that, and he'll hear it again, and he'll hear it again and again and again. And I know he's, he, he'll, he'll be in total compliance with that. I'm not worried. I'm not worried for a second about that. But he just he, he needs to, to learn us and, and to know what we're talking about here. And, and I know he's really excited about it, and uh, so it ain't going to be any problem. Pete Carroll is now in a position to compare Hall of Fame safety Troy Palomalu, who played for Carroll at USC, comparing him to Jamal Adams, who, if you look at it, is on a similar career trajectory. Here's Pete Carroll talking about some of the differences, but also some of the areas where they have some big similarities. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, they're, they're, stature is much different. Troy was a really unusual body. Um, for the kind of athlete and the kind of player that he was and the extraordinary explosive speed and, and all that he played with. Um, there's some real similarities. And, and forget the stature part of it, the way they look. Um, the, it's the nature that they play with that's similar. And that nature is one that uh, they play with such an amazing confidence that when they see things, they go get things. And, and, and with their savvy that they have that makes them so extraordinarily different than other players is that they can see things before they happen almost because they just have a, a knack about them. And they can take advantage of and, and because of their confidence, they take advantage of it. So when you watch, when, when I watch Troy play, you, you know, he, there would be times when he could control a game. And, and he could make you know plays that weren't even within anywhere near the realm of, of the concept that we we're playing because he could see things, feel things, and then when he saw it, he'd go. And the last thing you want to do with those guys is, is, is to make them over, you know, over-responsible, to make them uh, feel like they can't have that kind of freedom because as soon as you go there, you, 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 you limit the, the magnificence that the, these, these young guys have. So I, there's a lot of similarities. They don't look at all the same when they play. But the dynamics that they bring to your team are very similar. Um, you, you just want to just keep giving them opportunities to make things happen, and they find ways to it. And uh, so uh, Jamal and I, in our conversation so far, you know, we're talking about how, and he's really disciplined, which I'm really excited about. He really cares about you know, all of the, the techniques and the principles and the concepts. He wants to know all those things. He wants to ask all the questions and all but it's to get him so that he can be freed up and he can play with great confidence and he can have the, uh, uh, the opportunities to add what he adds. In that, those guys affect other guys tremendously. Um, he'll, he'll help other guys play well and, and all that. And I'm not, I'm not asking him to do anything he hasn't done before. We don't need to do that. We just need him to get to the point where he's confident and he can cut it loose and, and, uh, and, and let it rip. And then uh, he'll, he'll affect Bobby and, and KJ and, and Jay Reed up front and, and Bruce on the edge and, and he'll, and they'll affect him too, of course. Um, but um, it's it's why he's he's separated as such a fantastic football player, you know. And so, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to tell you after all that. I'm not going to say, oh, he's he's better than Troy or he this or that. I, I don't know that. I just know that they have a um, they have a tremendous knack that I'm hoping we can find uh, the way to get him comfortable so that he can cut it loose and bring it. And uh, there was nobody. I, there was times with Troy Polamalu, and I have not been on the field with with Jamal yet. There, there was times when he 
he would go so far to to be so aggressive and 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 to create such problems. I mean, if we we had to cancel practices at, at USC a couple times when he got pissed off at at uh, uh, Justin Fargus and and they're going at it and and uh, it was it, it got it was just too dangerous <laughs> at times. So I don't I don't know that Jamal is is, is is has that dynamic to him. We'll find out. Um, if he does, I'd love to see it. <laughs> so uh, we'll control it and we'll figure it out. But um, so really, obviously, really excited about it. This trade for Adams has apparently been in the works for months. Pete Carroll wants to make sure that Seahawks general manager John Schneider gets the appropriate credit. And the other thing we get to hear is just more of that excitement from Pete about this trade. This is such an extraordinary deal that John figured out and his guys. Um, to not give him credit for this is, is to totally not understand what happened. This thing started months ago. And uh, when, when there was no time that you would think that this could ever be where this guy would be on our club and playing here at the VMAC, um, John had a, had, a, had a thought that it could happen. And he stayed with it and he processed it. He worked at the highest levels of the communication of it to, to, to get it worked out. Um, the, the background work that we did to answer your question and to, to, to understand the player, was it, was it worth uh, what we did to, to go get him? Um, would he fit into the club? Would he match up in our locker room? You know, could he get along with his coach? You know, could he support his head coach? Uh, there, was, there was all kinds of things we needed to figure out. And, and uh, I don't have the, I, I can't tell you I know exactly how it is because we haven't been in the locker room with him. But what, what I know what other players have said, I know what other coaches have said, I know what his college coaches have said. Um, we, we've tracked down some of the, you know, some of his real history to him. Um, and we found nothing that, that, that would give us any other thought that he's going to be a great teammate. And he's going he's gonna to do everything he can to help his team win. Uh, I thought that his opening interview with you guys was uh, remarkable and that his, his uh, ability to understand how all the people that have impacted him and to give credit and to be humble about that when uh, he's the player that he is, um, I, I thought was was outstanding and remarkable that he that he did that. But the other side of it is is watch him play. Watch, watch the juice that he brings. Watch the energy that that he he feels you know in in, in playing this game that he loves and how that affects the people around him. Um, he, and I know that that's going to carry over to the locker room. I just don't know that for a fact yet. I've just been able to watch him on the field and. Uh, all of the fire and the juice that comes out, that it's, it is what I've loved about this game since I was a little kid. And, and so to see that we're able to bring that to our club, we want to, we want to be as juiced and jacked up to play this game as anybody's ever been in the history of the game. Well, he, this is a guy that he, he understands that's where he wants to live. So he's going to affect us in a really positive way. One of the things fans are curious to see is how the trio of Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and last year's second-round pick Marquise Blair are going to be used in the defense this year. Pete addresses the primary spot that they're looking at for Blair. Yeah, we're we're really pumped about this, you know, this camp to figure that part out. Um, for the most part, we have to figure out Marquise. Um, he's he's the one that's going to get the opportunity to get in on the slot and do some stuff that that uh, puts him in a position to be really active and and, and uh, be part of the the pressure packaging and some real aggressive part of the play. Um, so that's that's cool for him. Um, as we add, uh, you know, Jamal into the, into the program here, there's so many things that he does well. 
um, that we're excited about fitting that together and you know as we move forward it doesn't seem like um, uncharted territory for me um, at all you know because I've been very fortunate and coached some really really good safeties over the years and uh, uh, I see traits of, of Jamali and all of those guys he can do everything that we that we want a guy to do um, He's most uh, dynamic as an aggressive player, you know, where he has chances to make plays and be around the line of scrimmage and around coverage and, and in pressure situations. He's really good at all of that. So, um, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm thrilled to be putting this thing together. We, uh, we won't know for some time now, but um, I can picture it, and I'm, I can't wait to see this come to life. Coach Carroll was asked about Quentin Dunbar and if there were any updates with his situation. Pete Carroll also talks about the other cornerbacks, Griffin and Trey Flowers, and his expectations for the cornerback group as a whole going into the 2020 season. I, I don't have any updates for you on, on Quentin's situation right now. Um, it's really in the, it's out, out of our hands, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but we're, we're in the developmenting, developmental stage of, of our corners' growth, you know. And, uh, I thought Shaq had a great season last year for us, um, really bounced back. I thought year one and year two was there, we thought he could do better. Year three, he, 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 I thought he did a fantastic job. I thought he exploded. A playmaking, physical, um, count on, come through guy, all of that big plays, all of that stuff he did. Um, in, in year two for Trey, I thought also kind of maybe not as, as much ground we made up as, that, <clears throat> as I would have liked. Um, so he comes back for us just with a whole nother experience in, in his back pocket. Um, I, I'm going to expect him to be, in a matter of fact, I'd already talking, talked to him about this. He's very aggressive. Uh, very physical and, and make sure that we take advantage of the two years that he's got behind him now. And it really comes to the front. So we've got, you know, our corners are coming back. And so uh, um, the competition is on and, and guys will be battling for those spots. Um, I don't want to uh, um, overlook um, uh, Ugal, uh, you know, doing what he can do. Uh, he was a, a nice factor late in the year playing the nickel spot. He's going to be in there in, in the coverage situations and battling with Marquise. Um, so uh, we're, we're really just, in, like I said, in the developmental process of these guys, I mean, uh, there's no reason to think that they're not going to get better this year and, and be an improved product from where we were. So we've got experience. We know what we got and we're physical. So um, I, I, like our, I like our chances. Another player who's going to be competing to get out on the field is first round draft pick Jordan Brooks. It sounds like if Brooks is going to get an opportunity to start in 2020, he's going to have to outshine veteran linebacker KJ Wright. Well, I think, I think the spot that, that makes sense to us at this point, he, he could play either outside. He could play all three spots at linebacker. He, he, he's physically capable, and I've seen enough film of him. I mean, there's a lot of film of him playing all different spots. Um, so I, I know in his background, any college guy that came to us, you know, you would love to see what we've seen in him. He started for four years, and he's had thousands of snaps. So uh, the flexibility is there. I think his, his clearest path would be, and might, the most obvious path would be at the Will Backer spot. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, We'll start him there and then see how fast he can grasp it and how soon he can become comfortable. And, and, uh, and we'll see. And, we, you know, we have tremendous flexibility in our guys. Our guys have been, been here for a long time in our program with Bruce coming back and, and KJ and Bobby. It's a fantastic group of guys. Um, we've got, we've got a, a lot of options and plan here to, to, to weigh out, but we've got to see how it goes. And that's why this goes back to competition, and we'll see how it all plays itself out. Um, KJ has been a fantastic player. Might have had his best year for us last year. Bobby's at the top of his game, and uh, we're thrilled to have Bruce back. But that doesn't mean, you know, that that all those guys don't play at the same time, you know. And, and all four of those guys are on the field at the same time. 
there's options for how we can do that that we've worked out and um, the competition will settle it. I'm not concerned about it at all. The competition will will tell us what what uh, you know what we need to do here and because the options are all there for us. Another thing we learned this week is how the New Orleans Saints are renting out several floors of a hotel to try and keep players in an environment where they can really try and minimize the potential spread of the virus. Coach Carroll says he believes that trying to maintain a bubble around players is more of a mental exercise, though, instead of a physical one. It's the, the commitment that our guys make that creates the bubble. It's, it's, the, it's the discipline that it calls for that creates the bubble. It's the support from the people on our outside and our ability to communicate to our families and, 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 and the guests that don't get to come see us and, and the people that we don't get to hang out with and the, the changes we have to make in our lifestyle to, to, to maintain the integrity of the bubble that we're talking about. So whereas, you know, we have guys living in the hotel here and we have guys living at home, uh, we decided that it, it's probably better for the guys who have shown in the last four months that they didn't get you know, get infected with the COVID because they knew what they were doing with their lifestyle, that we could keep them better protected in that setting. But that means that there are variables outside that can, can affect Yeah, I think what New Orleans is doing is a great idea and, and, and for them, that that's the way they want to go about it because I know what they're trying to get done. And uh, um, we've seen the, the success of the NBA and also I, I think hockey is still kicking butt too. Um, they're, they're doing a nice job with it. We're going to try to extend our bubble beyond the, the walls of that, that single hotel and uh, count on our guys to make great choices and great decisions because this is, this is about you either competing or you're not now. And, and there's no time when, when uh, we're not in this together. And so hopefully um, with our sincerity and our communications, we can keep our guys on, on, on track and we're going to find out. <laughs> you know, It's all going to come out. We'll see what happens. Um, I know this, when, when you reopen, it doesn't work, okay? So uh, we saw that across, across our country, and, and uh, to, 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 to break down and, and, and start to feel comfortable that you got this thing made is not the way to go. We have to get to keep the hammer down throughout and, and now on. And so I've got, it's got to start with me, and it's got to go through Russell and Bobby and KJ and, and, and Dwayne and all of our guys that pass the message, and, 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 and you know, that's what this challenge is all about. It's it's, it's way more than a football season. It's way more than that. And we're, we're trying to respect the, the heck out of this every step of the way. And closing out the highlights from the press conference, Pete Carroll addresses any concerns for his own health. And he talks about how he's worked through that as well as just the amount of time that he spent in the off season, really trying to understand ways that he can best approach the situation that the team is in along with the rest of the NFL. Um, my wife and I, we've, we've dug in. We've, we've spent this entire time studying every aspect of this thing in every way that we can is just a couple, you know, a couple at home, knowing that uh, the responsibility that we bear for everybody, you know, and, and, and trying to guide and, and lead and, and uh, make choices and decisions. And, and uh, so that we could, because we feel such a responsibility to, for the care of everyone that um, we've been really disciplined about it. And, uh, but we've been really disciplined, but we've also been active too. And we've, we've, you know, we've measured our ways to do that. Um, we're out all the time and out and about. We're very, very serious about the whole mask thing. We have been throughout. We're really disappointed when, when it kind of went south on us and we didn't, we didn't stay with it because our, our state that made a great turnaround from an initial shocking, you know, ground zero story, um, you know, we lost our edge a little bit here. And, and um, honestly, I think it's about mental toughness. It's about being freaking tough because this ain't easy. It ain't easy putting up with all the discomfort and the, and the, the newness and the, the nuances and stuff to, 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 live with it but i felt like 
I better get my act together. I better be really good at this. So um, I've, that's what I've tried to be. And, and so men, mentally about that, that means, you know, you, you got to be hard on yourself and you got to push yourself and you got to give up some stuff that you normally would do. And I'm no different than anybody else in that regard. Um, as far as being uh, however old I am, um, I'm taking it as a personal challenge. If, if I happen to get this stuff, I'm going to kick ass on this stuff. And uh, if I don't, it's going to be because I, I was able to find a way to luck my way through it. Because this is a very treacherous thing everybody's dealing with. And we got to hopefully have good fortune along the way as well as good, you know, great discipline. And so um, it's really important for me to take it, you know, head on and, and, and deal with it in, in a way. Um, I'm, I'm so disappointed that, that we weren't tough nationally. You know, we, we weren't tough enough. You know, we were, we were too soft on it and we couldn't hang, you know, and we had to let up and find ways and excuses for, for, you know, not maintaining the discipline that it takes to, to beat this thing back, you know, and, and uh, so we're going to, I'm hoping in our program here, we can set an example. I'm, I'm you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I hope he set a, a great example of what it takes to do this. And, and in that, you know, I mean, six months from now, we're still going to be involved. And so when, as this season, you know, as we play it out, maybe we learn something, maybe we can help some other people. Maybe we can, you know, inspire somebody if we're fortunate enough to do well and do right, um, you know, to beat this thing that's, that's disrupted everything, you know? And so, um, so personally, I mean, I've, I don't think it would surprise you that I'm competing my, my butt off to, to, to do this well and right. And, and hopefully I can affect, you know, those that I can reach and, and uh, in the program and we can all do this. So really important stuff. Thanks for tuning in to another episode this week. Looking forward to having more interviews coming up soon. DK Metcalf is scheduled to be on the podium today on Thursday with the media. So I may have something to bring to the show from that as well. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I would prefer Everson Griffin over Clay Matthews, and now I see up at Field Goals that Alistair Corp has an article up on the website explaining why that's the best option between the two. Check that out up at fieldgoals.com, and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already at sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. Get your Seahawks news delivered right to your podcast app as soon as it comes out. That's it for me today. Talk to you again soon. Go Hawks! <laughs>